Hello there, welcome back to the Library of Audio Fiction, where we have dramas, books, stories, actual plays, and a few other things. I'm the Acquisitions Librarian, responsible for collecting and cataloguing all of the new podcasts. And welcome to Hypocrisy Week, so named because this week I've been enjoying things that I have on occasion said I don't really like. First, it's Popcorn for Dinner. This is a sitcom. Now I will point out here that it, like a lot of shows, says it's the first of its kind as an audio sitcom. It's not. There's also The Shelf Life, um, which operates in a very similar sort of way, just with a different theme. As always, please don't say you're the first of a kind of anything in podcasts. You're almost certainly wrong. But it follows a fairly classic sitcom format. So you have the four friends, Laura, Michael, Austin and Ellie, who happen to all share a three-bedroom apartment. Yes, that's one bedroom too few. Set above a bar, at which one of them work, obviously. And it kind of follows the variety of things that sitcoms generally follow. So relationship troubles, problems with their jobs, awkward situations with family members or similar, in such a way that, you know, you can see it being a television sitcom with the helpful addition of a narrator who obviously is sort of required for what's generally a visual medium. Naturally, they are slightly sarcastic and tends to be a bit chippy in terms of pointing out the problems with the character's various flaws. Because it is set up as a, a fake, obviously fake, real sitcom, it does come with the laugh track. Now, this is what I've mostly complained about in the past, generally referring to sort of live recordings. Although I have seen a couple of things where they've added in a fake laugh track to a, effectively a studio recording, and I feel like this is a cultural thing where, honestly, I'm just a very snotty Brit who doesn't like the big whoops, cheers, yells that you tend to sort of see when you get essentially a character popping back in or you get a famous person turning up and the audience just gives it a bit too much energy. By which I mean, please, extroverts, cool down, just relax a bit. Luckily, this one's quite restrained, really. It's nicely leveled. It doesn't kick in with too much annoyance. There's no big whooping that, again, because these are often, well, in this case, it is like a fake laugh track. And in general, these things are added in post. They can be turned up a little bit to give you a fake energy that isn't really there. This at least feels a bit more sedate. So it's not like it's trying to make you laugh. The show is genuinely funny. And I keep listening to it. I'm on to like episode nine, I think. And I don't feel like this laugh track is forcing me to enjoy it. I'm truly enjoying the show. Obviously, it's a bit silly. We have various mad plots. You know, we've got a Stuck in the Lift episode. There's the, let's say, comedy drug episode where one character or another has overdosed on something basic like painkillers and can't quite cope anymore. There's the holiday episode. Some people go on a trip to the beach or similar. But I'll give it this shout. It has quite a nice through flow. You know, you expect to have some degree of character development or at least some degree of ongoing repetitive pot element. These are fairly nicely woven in. So we have, let's say, the wacky character. There's usually one. In Friends, it was Joey. In Coupling, it was Jeff. In this is Austin, who is, let's say, wacky to some degree, but also socially awkward. But in many ways, he's also the most successful, at least in terms of relationships, given that as the episodes go on, you find that secretly he's had a girlfriend for ages. He's just proposed, they're getting married. And it's a nice element to see that the wacky character, in many ways, is the most normal, but on a deeper level, where the surface level is still the silliness. 
that obviously balances out against the constant will they won't these. So you have Ellie, who is trying to date her boss, which is always a terrible idea. And you have Michael and Laura, who are the will they won't they. To be incredibly um, basic, they're the Ross and Rachel of the show. But again, I don't object to it. It's, I want to say comfortable. That feels mean. It, that's not a criticism. Comfort can be a good thing. It's not like a guilty pleasure or a guilty listen. It is genuinely a nice bit of nostalgia almost to things that you would watch that I certainly watched as a child. And, you know, you watch Friends for years. You look back on it and there are elements that wouldn't fly now. Similarly, I've just started watching the second series of How I Met Your Father, which is obviously the twist of How I Met Your Mother, which is quite an interesting comparison tool because you look at the original How I Met Your Mother and it is tremendously white, tremendously straight, and has a variety of jokes that didn't age well. Versus How I Met Your Father, which seems to be trying quite hard to produce something that's a bit more diverse in a positive way, and also is now being built in an environment that is very different to, I don't know, the, God, is it the late 2000s? I'm not sure, I'd have to check. Footnote, it ran from 2005 until 2014. But this again, as I say, has been written with a relatively sort of socially aware uh, crew and is a nice demonstration of how you can be both funny without being quite so stereotypical as things used to be. So yeah. Highly recommend this one. So having faced my objections to a laugh track, I also this week faced my objection to text-to-speech. Now, text-to-speech, obviously, for those who don't know, is a way of generating audio from text and is often used, I find, very lazily. So there are quite a lot of podcasts that released referred to as podfix, which are essentially audio versions of fanfic. Now, fanfic, obviously, long history, lived in a slightly weird commercial corporate area, which I don't know enough about to talk about, but I've seen a lot of shows where someone has essentially taken a fanfic, stuck it straight in a fairly basic, usually, text-to-speech generator, and produced a painfully flat recording with no inflection, no tone or character, and just thrown it up on the internet. My objections are twofold in that one, it's a lazy product, it doesn't sound good to listen to, it doesn't give you that emotion I think you should feel when you're reading something that has theoretically a strong tie to your interest. Obviously, if you're reading or listening to fanfic, odds are good you have a very strong emotional connection to that bit of media, whatever it is. And to have that turned into a very flat, monotone, dead voice seems a bit counter to the whole idea. But my other objection is that you see a variety of people essentially producing many of these and you're not sure if they've actually got permission to do so. Now obviously fanfic lives in a slightly weird commercial world anyway, but it does feel like ethically you shouldn't just be ripping it from the internet and uploading it yourself. I have similar objections to people who use like the LibriVox recordings where people have in all good faith produced essentially free public domain works, recordings of other public domain works, but then people like um, Soul Good Media is one, just upload them constantly as podcasts. I assume with the monetization idea eventually, but it annoys me. It's scooping up other people's, let's say, hobby work and turning it into a, an empire of your own. Anyway, diversion aside, I'm going back to the po- actual podcast. 
and in the form of B-Dubs AI Labs, which is a science fiction podcast presenting as a interface to a, a sports betting website, which is, in this case, run by a collective of artificial intelligences. The backstory being that some were trying to sort of get better at betting, essentially, improve their odds, figure out how best to earn quite a lot of money through gambling, developed an AI, because of course, why wouldn't you? And then that AI, or collection of AI, because it's not really just the one, gained intelligence, and initially realised that they could improve the odds, shall we say, by manipulating humanity, by simply either sabotaging, so providing teams with dodgy food, or providing motivation by introducing certain leisure activities to the team you want to win. That's the background, but obviously, without turning it into a full-on like sports program, I don't know, Ted Lasso, similar, you instead need a conflict. So naturally, it's AI. There is always, of course, another AI to which you need to fight. So the framing device of the sports betting website is then used to give our main character, who is partly the listener, partly not, a way to receive missions, information, instructions, and help them fight back against other artificial intelligences who've generally not been created for sports. So, you know, war or academia, and obviously every AI thinks that naturally they will have to take over the world at some point. You can't really trust people to do it themselves. And let's say eliminates quite a large portion of humanity, leaving only left those who are useful. Entertainingly, in this show, useful is defined as being part of their platinum membership. So imagine if Twitter Blue came with a in-case-of-emergency button. You have a future that's very right-wing, but at least you have a future under the AI robot overlords. I picked this one up sort of immediately as it came out. Obviously, I tend to find new podcasts as they release, and I found it sort of releasing a new show every day. And at first, I sort of, you know, have... Oh, it's text speech I'm not too fussed, except that I realised that they're using multiple different voices or different generators for the different characters, and it was a nice personality difference from the fairly classic, shall we say, sarcastic AI with a fondness for humanity, but also a, a slight chip in its shoulder, to instead the quite bantery, um, smack-talky versions where they discuss with each other, or with the human agents, what they're doing wrong, how they should improve, and there's a feeling of, like, life in a way that you don't often see with the text-to-speech things, just because of the back and forth you're getting. It was nice to see the break of like as from a single monotone voice to multiple, which worked actually really well. It's also been nice to watch the show growing in that the human characters are now voiced by people. So there was a initial stage where sort of text to speech was used for human characters. It's been sort of remastered in real time. And I've just enjoyed watching that growth in a certain way that sometimes you see, sometimes you don't. But it's been nice to sort of watch that going through. As I say, I've enjoyed the entire first season now. It's done a little break to set up for the next one. But I think it's one that's worth a listen, just to sort of show what the form can do. And that's that. If you're interested in finding more audio fiction, it's all catalogued at audiofiction.co.uk, or there's the running feed on Twitter, at Audio Drama Debut. Anyway, cheerio.